All right, welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski. With me today is our Ben, a, kind of a longtime contributor to Pittsburgh Soccer now. Left us for a little while, but she's back in Pittsburgh. Rachel Krieger. Rachel, it's great to have you back contributing to Pittsburgh Soccer now. It's it's good to be back. Happy to be back in, in Pittsburgh and out of, you know, 100 degree heat and back to normal drivers and I'm happy to be out of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I have mixed feelings on that myself being that I just came back from Florida too. So um yeah, summertime it can be a little bit of a bear there but um but I I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Florida same as I do with some other places in in this country like Philadelphia or you know anyway uh, Cleveland <laughs> or stuff places like that but um no it, it's great to have you back and of course you're back you've been back for a little while and you've already jumped in uh both feet in you've uh, completed a uh, a nice feature on uh, a local player of interest who is in the end uh, the NWSL um Veronica Lasco um maybe just talk about that briefly yeah, Veronica's really cool. Um, I've I think I've gotten to know her now, um, probably about three or four years now. Um, I, you know, the running joke every time I talk to her is, you know, it's our it's our yearly uh, catch up, pretty much. Um, you know, she she jumped from playing in in Houston to joining OL Reign. She really wanted to challenge herself, um, so she she went over there. Um, great story in there too about her um, working part time at an adoption agency. Um, so she really wants to make a difference, um, yeah, in that regard too, but she's doing pretty well for OL range. You know, she's regularly featured whether she's starting or she's on the bench and then coming off the bench for some good minutes. Um, so, I mean, she's, she's been a really positive player this year for them. OL range doing pretty good. Um, time of recording, we're doing this on Sunday night and they thumped, uh, they thumped Gotham FC earlier today. So, um, you know, Veronica got some time in that game. So just always good to talk to her and, and catch up with her. She's a really great person. And and I hope I hope she has all of Pittsburgh root for her. Yeah. And what is, you know, you've really grown as a as a writer, uh, you know, obviously in the past four or five years since you first started with us. And but also in terms of your experience and your knowledge of the women's game, the professional side, I, I'm really impressed with your knowledge and that's been just the same thing. It's like work ethic. You've pretty much jumped in both feet in and, and really, and that's, that's, I feel, you know, I had a wonderful pod with Michael, Mike DeCourcy, who covers United States men's and women's national team for uh, the soccer news. But we had an interesting talk about, you know, the coverage of soccer in the United States. And, and we talked at some length about the women's game. And that is just something where, we both feel like it was just still so underappreciated and the coverage is just, it could be, it could still be better. I know when U S women's national team comes along world cup, that sort of thing. But even during, I mean, I, I follow all of you. I follow you for a, a lot of, and I get a lot of really great information from you and, and it, and it piques my interest and I, it makes me want to watch the matches when they're on TV. Yeah, I think a lot of the um, so, for example, when all of the stuff was going down with Paul Riley um, and, you know, North Carolina and his, you know, the accusations yeah. of what happened in Portland, a lot of people 
noticed that, you know, ES, like the big places like ESPN, Bleacher Report, um, all of those sites, they're not covering women's soccer unless like something like that is going on. So a lot of people were saying, hey, you know, you need to cover us at the good times and the bad times um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I, I heavily respect their work. Meg Linehan and um, Steph Young are really the only two full-time women soccer writers. Um, there are people who are full-time. Um, and, and I guess you could throw my boss, Jessica Sue from the Equalizer in there too. He runs Equalizer full-time um, there. There's really not a lot of people who cover just women's soccer full-time. There's, there's some who cover men's and women's soccer, you know, Jonathan Tannenwall, um, right. for example, and Peterson, um, but not a lot of people who covered just women's soccer. And I always say that if, you know, it's kind of crazy four years um, later this month that I've been at Equalizer, if I could do that job full time, I totally would. Um, but sadly, that's just not the case. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I like covering both men's and women's soccer. I, I enjoy covering my Seattle Sounders um, and just some other teams across Major League Soccer and um, but yeah, I mean, women's soccer is, you know, growing leaps and bounds and you just look at the expansion and you see that and how in 2024, they're going to get up to 14 teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great league. I'm excited to see the USLW league coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want Pittsburgh to have a team in that, but <laughs> that's my, uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> big question, right? When's that, I mean, we're, we're still sitting at, Looking at, I mean, and all due respect, it's not great to see the the Hotspurs and both Century United having higher level teams now. But yeah, we're we're still waiting and for the that. WPSL. I mean, it's, if, if the WSL is there, I mean, why can't? Oh well, I mean, the, the, with the USL getting involved now, I it's a good question. And one of the things we will have an audience with the new Riverhounds president. So that's a question that I think we, we, the hard question we may want to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Um, all right. So, well, Rachel, we really brought you on here uh, because it's fall, it's August. That means there, we're in preseason for uh, college teams and you've been really involved with the university of Pittsburgh uh, not only helping with Pittsburgh Soccer Now's coverage, but also on the broadcast, which has been great. And you and uh, somebody else I know fairly well is J- um, Jason, right? Jason Earl um, has have been uh, kind of teamed up some a few times in previous years uh, as a broadcast team on ESPN Plus or is it ACC mm-hmm. Plus and it's whatever. It's, uh, um, it's on the ACC network, but um, it is also available on ESPN Plus, I think, for like some regions and whatnot. <laughs> So what's that experience been like for you? Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, I'm I'm blessed to be on two games this year. I'm on for Louisville and uh, Florida State, which is which is going to be a lot of fun. Those are two yeah. going to those are going to be two big games for them, two ACC games. Um, working with Jason, um, and this year also my first time working with Juliana Vasquez. Um, she's really wonderful. I, you know, Jason and I. It was funny. We went to the practice the other day, and we were talking about how, you know, we were the ones on the call when Pitt earned the uh the victory over Boston College for their first ACC win in in like forever and we were like oh Juliana was standing over there and you know Cheyenne Hudson was over there and Amanda West was right there and you know it's kind of crazy now like you know players like Amanda West are are, are seniors but um Mm -hmm. yeah I mean working on the broadcast side you know I've gotten to talk to some really incredible people got to I remember I got to interview Zierra King who now plays um for OL Reign 
gotten to talk to, you know, just coaching legends like Anson Dorrance um, mm-hmm. from UNC. Um, so it's it's been pretty awesome. I, I love the prep work. I love the early crew calls. I love all of it. It's a lot of fun. Um, really enjoy it. And, and I'm very I'm really looking forward to get back. Um, two games might not sound like a lot, but it's two more than I had last year. That's in true. Florida, mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm super excited to get back and, and the games that I'm not going to be on. I'm going to be listening and being the biggest fans of, you know, Jason and Juliana and anybody else who who's involved because it's just it's a lot of fun. I've been blessed to be on the production now. This is going to be, I think, my fourth season and it's kind of kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. So it's believe. I mean, today it's, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, Pitt has wrapped up their preseason with a win uh, against Penn State, which was nice. They did go down, I believe, three to one to West Virginia earlier last week. But you know, I mean, West Virginia's and Penn State are both really the standard, and Pitt is part of is is right in the mix with them too right now. It's a, especially in terms of recruiting. Uh, one thing you don't see a lot of. Western Pennsylvania, you don't see hardly any Western Pennsylvania players on Penn State's roster. West Virginia dips in. I know they have a good relationship. Um, Nikki um, Izzo-Brown has a nice relationship with Beedling. So every once in a while, she'll she'll have a couple of players from the area, from our area um, that feature uh, with with them. But let's talk about Pitt. Let's talk about Randy Waldrum. And, uh, you know, it seems like they have been steadily improving, but you know, Amanda West is a senior this year. There's a lot of players that are coming back. Basically, almost all their players are coming back. What are your thoughts on this team heading into 2022? Yeah, I think you said it. You know, a lot of players are coming back. Um, when we were talking with Randy Waldrum about, um, you know, who's who's up for, you know, eligibility and whatnot, and whatnot still, um, you know, because of COVID-19, all these uh, players got an extra year of eligibility. Um, so players like Amanda West, Adelie Palomo, um, Caitlin Lazzarini, um, a lot of the seniors, they do still have that extra option to come back. So yes, they do have senior on their title, um, but they kind of get that graduate year for, for free, if you will. Um, but, you know, I remember talking to Randy last year and, you know, I still kept involved with the team while even still in Florida, um, and he said, you know, we're, we're there, you know, he, he thought they should have made the NCAA tournament. I thought they should have made the NCAA tournament. Um, and they, and they didn't, but now they have their, you know, pretty much their whole roster, a couple transfers coming in, um, but they pretty much have their whole roster. And, you know, it's, it's so, it's so important that, you know, people realize Rome wasn't built in a day and it's been a process. And, you know, ever since the moment Randy got hired, you know, it wasn't going to be a winning season right off the bat, but it's slowly, but surely it is progressing and they are getting better each and every year. And I just think that this team has no sign of slowing down. I think they're really looking at this year. Uh, One thing Randy had said was that, you know, they sat down and went through their team goals and, you know, they're still going through them of course, but the number one off of their list was make the NCAA tournament. That's something that the whole group really feels that they can do. Um, a lot of, a lot of team chemistry already built. So just kind of working off that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Pitt is, they, they have a tough schedule. The ACC is never an easy schedule. And then only six teams from the ACC make the ACC tournament. So in yeah, a way it's like, you know, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how tight it is. Like it's so hard. Um, to make your own conference tournament. So sometimes, you know, 
people might see, oh, well, maybe Pitt didn't make the conference tournament, but hey, if they make the NCAA tournament, it might be easier to make the NCAA tournament um, than it is the ACC tournament. So they have a lot of good non-conference games coming up, um, a a lot of big tests for them. So I I think that they are in good shape. I think their schedule looks good. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do um, when they open up the season, you know, this week with uh, Rumble and the Rockies um, going on. Rumble and the Rockies. You know, Rumble I'll give it to Randy. He, he finds these tournaments way somewhere out west. I mean, gives I guess it's <laughs> a, it gives them a good experience. Travel, they bond as a team. But uh, I think last year they were in Oklahoma, and and of course mm-hmm. we know he has ties out there. But I, of all places, he's going. They're going to Montana. Is he? I don't even know if he has ties out there. I just, knowing Randy, he has ties everywhere i mean he's coaching and randy waldrum has ties everywhere <laughs> i mean the guy it just knows people right uh anyway so yeah it's gonzaga thursday and montana on sunday uh, yeah i think these those are i mean if you're wanting to get in the ncaa tournament those are crucial games because you you can't have any non-conference uh, losses that are glaring you need non-conference losses that are hey you know we played you know west virginia they were ranked i'm just you know putting this just um you know just saying i'm making this up but if a a number five team in the country comes their way and they're a non-conference matchup that's obvious if it's a loss especially on the road it's not that bad as long as it's a close match the selection committee will look at that kind of thing but but yeah you got to go to gonzaga you got to go to montana and you have to come away with really two wins or a win and a draw i think very would be very helpful for their ncaa chances Yeah. And I think, you know, Randy had pointed out to me actually a little earlier today, we were actually talking uh, on the phone a little bit about how they have played West Virginia and Penn state four times in the last, you know, couple months, like eight or nine months. And they've won three of those games. Those are big games for them to play. So um, yeah, I mean, I think they're doing, they're doing everything right right now with just getting prepared, getting their legs ready, you know, playing these, these, preseason games against good teams to give them good tests ahead of these you know like you said non-conference games that might look easy on paper but you know you got to actually win the game and that's important and I think that I think Pitt women's soccer is is really setting themselves up for success it's been you know a crazy busy um, few months for Randy you know qualifying for the World Cup with Nigeria jumping right into preseason with Pitt and then you know Nigeria has those friendlies coming up in early September and it's just it's been a crazy time right now but I, I think you know with all of that said you know give give Randy Waldrum his respect that he's doing all of this and setting hopefully setting Pitt up with with a really good start um, with all of the crazy busy busyness that he has going on so uh, I mean obviously I'm pulling for them I'm their big fan and I just I really want them to do well because I want to see them get rewarded towards the end of the season but you know one thing that Randy has always stressed like the, like every good coach stresses is that it's just one game at a time so right now they're just focusing you know they were focusing when I talked to them on um, on Penn State because that was the next uh, preseason game and you know I'm sure if you ask Randy any given second what he's focusing on right now he's just going to say Gonzaga not he's not going to say the NCAA tournament or the selection committee or any of the ACC games. Um, these non-conference games are super, super, super important for them. Yeah. And I think Heather, like the athletic director at Pitt has given 
Randy the opportunity uh, to be able to do you know, to coach Nigeria, I think there is some, there are some benefits there, uh, exposure for the pit program. Um, it just helps him probably with recruiting, but also the fact that he's kind of set up shop at pit has established, uh, you know, a solid program in terms of reputation. Now those type of things and staff is pretty, pretty stable. Ben, you know, his assistant, Ben Waldrum's helping him out. And I, I believe he's got a, a you know, he's got a good staff. Um, that he that will you know if he has to step away, uh, I think that they're not really going to miss a beat too much. And then of course the other piece of it is having an experienced roster. So you know you look up and down this roster, and like we said at the outset, you know they they have um, uh, you know so many experienced players uh, that are coming back that are a year older that are more seasoned. You know, we've talked about Amanda West and she's just been prolific in terms of her ability to score at this level. And she's you know going to be huge for them this year, uh, being fully healthy. I think last year she struggled a little bit with her with her health, but still there's nobody close to her in terms of, you know, goal scoring um, numbers. But, you know, Landy Mertz emerged uh, at the end of the spring um, of 2021, spring 2021, which was part of that previous year um and then of course last fall as it may be another person sarah shapinsky another local player is it you know is has the ability to score has the ability to play versatile uh it can play multiple positions and you have a uh, you know you have some really really good players across the board um can you talk about some of the experience at the different areas uh you know from from the attacking group the midfield questions you know um i know you, you you're preparing our preview and there were some midfield questions and then just their back line and their goalkeeping um i guess competition yeah, so the midfield um, is definitely going to be interesting because one player that he or uh, Andy Waldrum is really relying on is um, Kira, Kira Mellenhorst. She is a Canadian U20 international, so she's with she uh, got called up on that Canadian U20 team for the World Cup in um, in Costa Rica. So she's not going to be uh, back until that tournament is finished for them. Um, but, you know, he's really relying on her. He's hoping that she can be their number six um, and just kind of lead that midfield. Um, for them uh they they have a lot of really good players in that midfield but one of them that he really highlighted was Anna Bout he said she isn't right. the type of player who's going to put up big numbers like Amanda West you know it's funny John when you were talking about Amanda's health you know yeah she picked up a, a, a couple knocks last year but guess what she still scored 10 goals and she yeah. provided three assists so um she was still the leading goal scorer for uh pit once again third year in a row doing so um so yeah i mean Anna about she she's kind of an assist machine for them she's been really solid um for them she's one of those players that you, you is easily forgettable and I don't say that in a mean way I just mean it as there's so much talent on this pit team that you forget about those players who don't get those big numbers um but Randy said you know she is that type of player that she's so creative in the midfield that um you know she, she might get lost in a way like being behind some of these quote-unquote bigger names mm -hmm. but she's putting in the effort she's putting in the work rate 
um, and good thing goals are happening because of her. She might not get the assist, but if there was an assist for an assist, she probably is the one to touch the ball. Um, Emily Yaple was another player that he highlighted. She um, was in that W league um, playing down in South Carolina this year. Um, he said that she had a really good year for South Carolina's team scoring uh, four goals and having an assist in eight games and he said, you know, it was just something that they just kept their eye on and she's improved under them, getting some good minutes under her belt um, and is going to come back and hopefully help the offense, uh, help out the offense a little bit. Um, another area, too, um, before getting to the goalkeeper is, you know, I asked Randy, who who are the first couple players that you're going to look at to come off of the bench? Because um, he pre- I mean, he pretty much has his starters. He knows who his starters are going to be. Um, from last year uh, to this year. And and he said, you know, he, it's actually kind of funny. He listed off about like six or seven names um, to me, but he said there, there's there's a lot of players he's going to look um, to come off of the bench, including Kate Zielinski, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, Zaliski, um, Samaya Fury from uh, Oklahoma State. I feel like I feel like if we census um, Pitt, they probably get their most transfers from Oklahoma State just because of Randy's connections. Right. right. Um, and it seems like Oklahoma State and Canada, the, some of the or Oklahoma. Yeah, it's, area it's the Canada, feeding yeah. tube. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's definitely the feeder for sure. Um, Annabelle's from Canada uh, as well. Um, but another player, uh, Randy Waldrum said, you know, to keep their eye on is Bree Hills. Hilsentinger, I think is how you say her last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologize if she's listening and she if I butchered your last name. Um, but Leah Pace is another one. She's a she's rising senior um, coming up. She has been a steady um, yes. presence for them. He said she can, you know, he pretty much has his front three of Amanda West, Sarah Shapensky and Landy Mertz. But he said, you know, Leah can come in and basically play for any three of those players yeah. if they need, you know, if they need to be switched out um, or whatnot. Um, defense. He really likes Ashley Moon. Um, he said, you know, Haley Davidson, she's the last. Um, this is her last year, no matter what she does. She's out of eligibility. Um, and so Randy wants to give Ashley Moon some time um, in some games just because he knows that she's the future for them um, at outside back and also just kind of depending on what uh, Adelie Palomo does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, moving to goalkeeper, I feel like we say it every year that um, – you know, they had a Maya Pena in goal for the longest time. She was really their stalwart there. Kat Robinson was their um, starting goalkeeper last year. She transferred to um, Ohio State ahead of her last year of eligibility um, as their graduate transfer. So best of luck to her. I always really enjoyed talking to her. She's probably one of the nicest people that y- you'll, you'll meet. Um, she's a really great person. Um, so really the, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper battle is between Caitlin Lazzarini and Ellie Breach. Um, Gabby Nybert's in there as well too. Randy said, you know, Gabby being a senior, he, he wants to give her her due. She works hard. She is somebody who has really, from the moment she's come into Pitt's program to now has really grown in both, you know, on and off the pitch. And he said, you know, in those non-conference games, you know, he, he wants to get, um, Gabby Nybert sometime as well, not just uh, Lazzarini and Breach. But he said, you know, right now I think he's leaning towards Caitlin Lazzarini just because of the experience. But um, Ellie Breach, she's, you know, 5'10". She's tall goalkeeper. You know, I was watching 
you know, I was a former goalkeeper, so that's what I had my eyes on during the practice watching them. And she was just diving around, making every save possible. She has a really good throw. Um, she has really good hands, you know, distributing the ball as well. Um, Caitlin Lazzarini has those qualities as well, and she has the experience to go with it. Um, so I think goalkeeper is the thing that I'm going to keep my eye on a little bit this year, as well as just that midfield and the rotation in the midfield. Definitely two things to look forward, uh, look at uh, as they, especially in the pre in the early non-conference games, I think Randy can, and the coaching staff will play around with some different tinker with some different things. We've seen them do that. It was all college coaches really do that in the non-conference schedule early on. And really unlike Pitt, unlike the men, they, the men kind of alternate between like, oh, a Saturday conference match and then maybe a Monday or a Tuesday non-conference throughout the course of the season. The women, they kind of load up at the beginning of the year, all non-conference. And then once they get into conference play, that's it. They're playing all conference games. And, you know, we know I, I, I looked at the schedule and I, like I said, the non-conference piece, I hate to say it, but I, I think they need to they need to go like. I don't know. I think it's like eight or nine non-conference or whatever it is. They need to go like seven and one or six and one or something like that. Like they need to be, and that's what they've done in recent years. They've had really good non-conference um, results. Then when they get in the ACC, they have to be somewhere in that 500 mark to, to, to get a, you know, consideration for the NCAA tournament. Now, what I think helped, I mean, what didn't help them was in 2020, the NCAA tournament was reduced in size. So they didn't, even with their first winning record, I think the last two years they've had 11 wins both years. Now this year, they, they have to be come into that 11, 12, 13 mark, and they need a couple marquee wins. They need those, beat those ranked, a couple ranked teams. And then I think they could get that look at the NCAA tournament. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the schedule? Yeah, I mean, that schedule, you know, of course, it's going to look intimidating when you play North Carolina on October 6th, and then like three days later, you've got Duke. Um, but, you know, R Randy is well aware that some of these games that, you know, Pitt either drew or they lost last year, Virginia Tech, Miami, Wake Forest. I don't think they play Wake Forest this year. It doesn't look right. like it. No. Um, but he said those those are winnable games. Like he, you know, they're on the road against Virginia Tech, but he said we know how to win in Virginia Tech. Um, so I, I think it's like a nice, even with the ACC schedule, it's kind of like a nice mixture that you have like, you know, some of these, a little bit softer. I don't want to say soft too much because I, you know, I don't want to right. doubt anybody in the ACC. It's the ACC. <laughs> no way. Um, but like yeah. some of these softer quote unquote ACC right. teams compared to like North Carolina Duke. And then you've got Boston College. Okay. Well, Boston College is winnable for them too before then you go back to Syracuse and, and, and Florida State. So I, I think it's, I, I think, I think you hit the nail on the hammer. You, they need to go seven and one. You know, hopefully, hopefully eight and zero. Ever the optimist over here um, right. in the non-conference games, and then you know, I really do think Pitt can get that five hundred mark in the ACC. I really do. Um, they're they're going to have tough games, of course. You know, they're going to be playing on the road. They're going to be hosting some really tough games. But I mean, Pitt Pitt hosting a team like Clemson, I could see them getting a win out of that game. You know, they're not on the road for that one. Pitt hosting Syracuse, they're at home for that. Mm -hmm. You know, Pitt hosting Louisville, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I'm as confident about Pitt going into North Carolina or Duke, but 
some of those games that they are hosting, I think the schedule kind of favors them in that regard. And really, I mean, I will hire me as a marketing liaison or whatever. I will be the the bill walking billboard to get that, you know, field and those stands filled up because that's what they're going to need. They're going to need a good home crowd to really disrupt the other teams and and just try to get, you know, try to get victories, try to help booster their chance of not just making the NCAA tournament, but also their own ACC tournament. Of course they want to make their own tournament. I think that's a great point. Uh, the, the the momentum, though, at, at Ambrose Urbanic Field, since it's been built, and with the success with the men's program under Jay Vitovich, and now Randy also, at the same time, really, has built the program to get to this level where they're competitive in the ACC. And we know that's, right now, that doesn't mean much because they want to they they want to aspire to go to, to be you know they finally get into the NCAA tournament and maybe get into the ACC tournament and have that type of success but they have come a long way i mean this was a program that just was in absolute you know terrible place and and they've 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 gotten away they're they're away from that now now comes the next challenging step but uh, anyway, my point about that is that Ambrose Urbanic Field, you know, men's games, a lot of those Friday night games in Western Pennsylvania where there's high school football reigns supreme. Yeah, it's been fantastic to see the stands absolutely filled almost every Friday night for the men's games. And I, I think that the women's game, they have a unique uh, time slot. They play that a lot of the home ACC matches are going to be on Sundays in the afternoon, I, I I don't know. How do you feel about that? I I kind of like that on one level. I don't know. It it does get in the way maybe of, you know, football or whatever it goes people do on Sundays. But um, you know, those Sunday afternoon like matinee games. I think I, I if if I, you know if I have a daughter that's interested in playing soccer, I mean, I'd try to get and and she loves soccer. I would want I would take her to as many games as I could. Yeah, I mean, it means I have to go to Saturday Mass, but no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah, their schedule is, you know, when I was looking at their schedule, I like that they have the Thursday slot. I think that mm -hmm. that's good for them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, some of the some of their weekend games, this that Sunday one o'clock slot, that's just such a hard time, yeah. um, especially up in Oakland. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> Oakland's not the easiest place to, to park and to maneuver, but like, I mean, that matinee spot is just, it, it's very strange. And then, you know, just, I know off the top of my head, that October 1st game against Louisville, it's at 7 p.m. while the Riverhounds have a home game that night. Right. So it's That's like. Saturday. Yeah. So I yeah, know they, so they, they are alternating tough. here. And there. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's tough. You're right though. There's even, uh, I'm just looking through the schedule. Yeah. There's like Syracuse on a Thursday at 6 p.m. You know, you right after work, that's tough for a lot of people. Um, the Sunday afternoon, they're gonna like Florida State, they wrap up the one o'clock Sunday afternoon. They have uh yeah, like you said, there's a couple other Thursday. Miami's a Thursday game at home. Um, and then a lot of the non-conference games are kind of a mix of there's a bunch of Sundays, Wednesday, Sun yeah, the first three Sunday. Well, actually they're in Cleveland for one of those. But yeah, I mean it's kind of a mix. They don't really have a steady day and time i guess i was they do have a couple of those sundays but not that consistent so i don't know it's i i think what pit men did was they kind of established 
the men's schedule establishes that Friday night. And I think they they have fans that are season ticket holders. I'm doing the um, parentheses sign um, as I talk to you. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're, those Friday nights be, have kind of become an event. So I, I think that's mm-hmm. just one of those things. But like, nice to see the women's team of games be kind of an event. So I, they have, they have, I've seen, I've been to some of the games and it seems like a nice atmosphere, but they're not quite on that level with the men yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think, you know, word of mouth as much as you, we can, like, I know, I know for me, I'm going to be, I'll go out to Oakland with a, you know, box or like a a flyer with a cowbell ringing it don't matter to me I'm definitely going to try to get as many people as I can to these games for sure I just I hope that you know soccer fans you know I'll be posting it in the the Riverhounds you know Facebook pages like hey come on out for some some more soccer up on the hill I mean it's you know it's a great product and the team if they're going to do well they're going to need a lot of support and really, if they can get a home playoff, I mean, a home match in the NCAA tournament, sometimes you get that first round. It's like a eight, nine or one of those. And the men, the first year they got in, got a home match and the place was just overflowing with people. So that's sometimes it just takes to get to that point and then you can create uh, an atmosphere like that. So, Rachel, we're, I'm looking forward to, you know, see how things go. Uh, as you mentioned, the the the, be- this t- the season begins this Thursday, uh, the Rumble in the Rockies um so we'll i'll be paying close attention um what we're going to try to do obviously you're going to be involved in some of our coverage and mark goodman will be and we'll have some post game um maybe do some post game interviews or or reaction shows uh, with some of the women's games as well so i'm really looking forward to this season and uh the coverage that we can provide on pittsburgh soccer now yeah, I'm happy to be back. Can't wait to, and you know, I love Mark and and can't wait to work with him again. You know, I I joking with we have a mutual friend Matt Pollard, and I was like, ah, I get to get see Mark more than you do, so I'm excited. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be a good season. All right, Rachel. Well, thank you for joining me on the pod, and uh, we were you uh, you and I will be talking quite a bit over the course of the next few months, sure. and weeks, and months, and it's gonna be it should be a great fall soccer season. Yeah, it'll be good. All right, thanks.